Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Hallelujah. I'm excited to be with you guys. I am in the second part, and so um, it's one of the things that I have the honor of preaching in this time, doing a complete chapter. So I'm doing what is called line upon line, precept upon precept, verse upon verse, and so I'm not worried about context, because man, I'm landing in the middle of it all. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so last time, in our, in our last word we had last Wednesday night, we talked about in the first part about the Spirit-filled church, what does that look like? What does that sound like? How should they function? All those things. And so I gave you a chart uh, that I have. I don't know if you guys have that, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it actually puts all of these together with chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, all in one verse. So we're going to read that. Verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So we're pursuing love is chapter 13. We are desiring spiritual gifts, which is chapter 12, and we are especially that we may prophesy, which is uh, chapter 14. So uh, the chart uh, may not have it in front of you, and I just want to remind you of, of what that was. We talked about uh, the last time together that we did a comparison of where we're talking about private tongues or what we call prayer language versus public tongues or the gathering together, and I gave you an equation. I gave you a formula. So let's see if how many were here can remember what the equation formula was. It was M plus I equals P. Okay, let's try it again. M plus I equals P. So a message in tongues or the gift of tongues, talking about in the public gathering, plus the gift of interpretation of those tongues is equal to prophecy, is what we talked about. Um, so I'm excited about that. We also had two points last week. We talked about in verses 1 through 5, edification. And then we talked about verses 6 through 12. We talked about clarity. And so in this session, we'll be talking about two points, spirit and understanding, verses 13 through 19, and then what is called the hearers, verses 20 through 25. So let's just dive right in. Hallelujah. Begin reading at verse number 13. It says, therefore, and we have been taught through the years, therefore is like a summation Pastor Dwayne's wording is that it's therefore. There's something it's therefore. It means you've got to back up and read the other stuff. Well, I don't want to re-preach last Wednesday night. Hallelujah. But it's there for a reason. And so I like to think of it as like two plus two equals. You're drawing a line. Now, all these things that he's talked about so far is going to give a summation or a bottom line of what that is. And so he says, therefore, and I want you to see the next word is the word let. Let in the New Testament is always talking about you. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit does it for you. It's not talking about that the Lord does it for you. It's talking about you get to decide. You get to, to use your will and make the decision, make that conclusion, and then put some action to it. I mean, you know that faith without works is? So there needs to be some actions to those things. So this is what Paul writes to the church and says. He says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So when a message in tongues or a public tongue happens, the person that uses that gift of tongues also, I just read to you, should be praying for an interpretation. Have you ever been in a church service where that there's an awkward moment where a message in tongues or a public tongue was given and there was not an interpretation? Kind of awkward. So it says we should pray for them. So, so what I found that, that there are some times that a, that a public tongues or a message in tongues is given and there may not be an interpretation, which possibly could mean, I've seen some, that it's a person that's actually, they're just giving God praise in their tongue. And I'll read about part of that tonight, that they're just praising God. They're giving God 
glory, hallelujah. And so it could sound like that a person gave a message in tongues, but what they were doing, they were lifting their voice, being a little bit more celebratory, and so they're lifting their voice, and so it sounded like a public tongue, especially if everybody got quiet. Right? Okay, so that's what he talks about, that they need to pray that they would interpret. Verse 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice he's talking about praying. He's not talking about in the gathering, but he's talking about in your private. Remember, I'm, he, he did the comparison in the first part. Now he's touching on a little bit of the comparison in the second part. And he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What does that mean? That means that when you are praying in the spirit then, that it's actually not your soul part of you, your mind, will, and emotions that's praying, but it's a spirit part of you that's praying. That's what we just read. It's your spirit praying. Well, I don't understand what I'm saying if I'm praying in an unknown tongue. You're not supposed to. That's why it's called an unknown tongue. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. But what are you doing? It's your spirit that's praying. Now, listen really close to this next part. I said last time, you don't think in tongues. You speak in tongues. It says you pray. You're, you're opening your mouth, and I also said this last time. It talks about that it's your, it is your air in your lungs that is going past your vocal cords, that is coming over your tongue, out of your mouth. It is you that's being used, but it is not you in and of yourself. It's the Holy Spirit that is engaging your spirit. So your spirit is praying is what I read to you. So who's your spirit praying to? <laughs> praying to God. Now think what I just said about that. So when you're praying in the Spirit and you're praying in tongues, you're not praying in your English language, you're praying in tongues. Who are you doing that to? For, is it to be seen and noticed or talking to a man or a woman? No, you're talking to God is what you're doing. So you don't know what you're saying, but here's a better question. Does God know what you're saying? He does. He knows all. So, Clear about the direction that we're going in that part. He says, but my understanding is unfruitful. Why is it unfruitful? Because you didn't talk in English. So you don't have understanding of it. You don't know what you said. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I like that word, by the way. There are some things in church that just should be a conclusion. <laughs> we don't just keep talking about it and just going round about it, or, or we don't have any thought about. So this is like a summation again. He's making a conclusion, but look what he says. He will says, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will. I will. I will pray with the Spirit, little s, talking about your Spirit. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. Okay, let's stop right there. Look up. I will pray with the Spirit in a language you don't understand, which is not English in Texas. Hallelujah. Might have to think about that. <laughs> but we're praying in an unknown language to us. We're praying in our spirit. We're praying in an unknown language. We're praying in tongues. I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding, which in Texas means we will pray with English. Are y'all getting the picture? So we're doing both of those things, right? I'll pray with one. I'll pray with the other. Okay, so I taught you last, last session, the reason that we pray in private tongues, the reason we're praying is to edify us. 
Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, pray in the Spirit. It's what we're doing. Okay? So, what is the conclusion then? I will, I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. Look at the next part. And this next part I am believing is going to come to a reality in Sherman, Texas. Are you ready? In Victory Life, it's going to happen to Victory Life Church more than we've ever seen. Listen, this is what he said next. He said, and I will also sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the I'm going to sing in English like we did tonight. I enjoyed praise and worship. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. The second song we did is my favorite song. It's called Fresh Wind. And we got to sing it tonight for the first time. And I had to wipe away the tears. Wipe away all the stuff. Okay, now I can go preach. <laughs> because it, it just resonates with me. It touches me. Talking about pour out your spirit. We need a fresh wind. How many believe that in America that we need a fresh wind? that we need a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, don't we? Okay, so that song was talking about that. So I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I will sing with English. I will also sing with the Spirit. So what does that sound like? It's the same kind of words. Instead of talking in, in English or an unknown language to you, you're talking in an unknown language, tongues. It's the same thing about your spirit. Now, I wondered years ago why... In the world, did it have that verse in the Bible and tell you that you need to be able to, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will be able to pray also or sing with the Spirit? Here's my answer with I believe in God. It's because it takes two hemispheres of your brain to be able to do that. It involves your whole hemisphere, your whole part of you to be able to do that. Did you know that the singing part of you comes from a different side? Come on, y'all help me, guys. Then it does the talking part of you, the intellect part of you, the understanding part of you. It's a different side. You didn't know that. I taught you something or not. So we have that different part. That's why one of the ways that you can, if you're struggling with situations or you're struggling with, with things that's going on in your life, one of the ways you can do that, I say to people in counseling, change the subject. And yet many times if we stay on that side of intellect and understand, they don't change the subject. So I found a better way. Why don't you sing a song? <laughs> Go to the other side. Sing something different. Well, I'm talking to people that's going to be talking to their teenagers tonight. It's going to be a different world. Hallelujah. That we have that intellect part and then have also that singing part. So one of the great ways to do also when you're getting in your vehicles, when you're going someplace, is begin to do that. Think about, pray about what you're processing, what you're working on. But at the same time, find a time that you can go to a song and sing a song. Change it to joy. Change it to thankfulness. Thank, it, thank you, Lord. It's rejoicing in the Lord sometimes. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, not sometimes. We do that always. Why do we do it always? Because we need to. <laughs> always. We need to be singing to the Lord. Amen. All right. All uh, right. Verse 16, otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what he said? Now, is it me? But that seemed like that came out of left field someplace. What was that? Verse 16. And what I saw and what I want you to take note of in that is what I call the, the proper biblical response. 
I've said this in another sermon about preaching about the word amen, is a proper biblical response, is that we have. I want you to see right out of the Bible what that means in verse 16. It says, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he doesn't understand what you say? So that amen word is talking about in the mouth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, first verse says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. There has to be some established things or foundational things, and these are the things that's going to happen are these things. And so one of the words that we need to have in a spirit-filled church that we're able to hear quite often in church is the word amen. See, y'all are good, man. Had the word Amen. They were using those words, and I taught you in that, in that message, it means it is true. It's what it means. Jesus said, verily, verily. It is true. It is true. Okay, let's go on. Verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Verse 18. I thank my God. I speak with tongues just a little bit every now and then. comes out in church. Every... I thank my God. I speak with tongues what? More than you all. Southerner. He had to be a Southerner. <laughs> I think, my God, I'm speaking with tongues more than you all. And he's not trying to do a comparison saying, hey, listen, I do this more than you do. So let's just compare. So maybe you can just kind of amp it up and just do some more. He's not saying that. He's saying that this is something with his teaching this and writing this letter and teaching. He's saying it, that this is something that I do and I do it a lot. Thank you for that, right? Amen. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in a spirit-filled church, what does it sound like? It should sound like that there's, that there's a lot of us that we speak in tongues. Not to be braggadocious, not to make it better than, not comparing yourselves among yourselves. But there should be the sound of the edification where a person is being edified when they do that in their spirit and also in the church services, the public gathering, that when that happens, it edifies the church. It's what I read to you. I think I thank God I spoke in tongues more than you all. Okay. Verse 19. And by the way, that's talking about the private prayer language, the personal prayer language, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now say in church, here's something that we need to have. It needs to, and I believe what we've been taught through the years, so I'm going to echo that word to us tonight. It's not that we need to be speaking on, in tongues through microphones, because people can misunderstand. But to have it in the sound where we are in our church, we're right from our first where we are. The people behind us, the people around us, we're not grabbing a microphone. But to be able to have that expression that we hear the sound of, of an unknown language in our church. Wow. That sounds like a spirit-filled church. Okay. So verse 19 then says, Yet in the church, public gathering, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding, look, look, that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why? Because 10,000 words in a tongue is an unknown language. So you're not going to get understanding off of 10,000 words, in, right? And again, the purpose of the speaking in tongues is not to get understanding in private. It's to get edification. It's to build you up. Boy, I'm, I'm looking at some of y'all. Y'all need to be built up. Hallelujah. <laughs> to get edified and get encouraged. And so I'm telling you, one of the places that we do that 
from the Bible talks about that. So, so the, all of that, point number one, is about spirit and understanding. So we're going to go to the ne- next page, and we're going to talk about the hearers, beginning at verse number 20. The hearers. And notice he uses the very first word. He says the word brethren. And do you all know that you all are the brethren? Yeah. We're a part of the brethren. <laughs> we're a small part of the brethren in the big capital C church, but we're the brethren. We're brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. Isn't that true? And it's not just Victory Life Church. That's a lot of different ones also. Amen. Did y'all know that the Baptists are your brethren? <laughs> Did you know the Church of Christ is your brethren? Amen. Yeah, we all. Everybody that is saved and knows the Lord, they are brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is a brethren. I had the opportunity this week to have a, a lady that, that was a walk-in. She came to the... To, by the office, and just, there was a lot of conversation. I won't talk about all the things that happened, but just to say that she needed some help. And then this week, she came back, and she looked totally different. And I didn't know who she was. And I said, wait, what, wait, two weeks ago, I, huh? <laughs> and she said, I wanted you to know that I met the Lord in these two weeks. And it totally changed my life. I want you to know that it caused me to have my hair fixed. (laughs) Okay. It caused me to dress differently. She said, I actually wanted to come back and just talk about the goodness of the Lord and what he did for me. And I said, hallelujah. She says, I only have one problem, one problem to talk about. I said, what's that? Um, I don't have a church family. I said, you do now. Welcome to the family. That's a brethren... That's a brethren time. We had last Wednesday night, we had a lady that come down after the service, and I don't want to point her out, she may be here tonight, came down to the service, and when I looked at her, I recognized her face, but I didn't recognize her. And so when she got closer, I recognized who she was. And for 10 years in our life, Carla Sue and I have been seeing this lady at a restaurant, and we would, would encourage and edify and, and just have all these great words, just encourage her. So she came to church last Wednesday night after church and said, the Lord touched me, and I'm going to start going to church. I decided to go to the church where y'all go to. <laughs> and I went, hallelujah. So we're going to have to go to that restaurant this weekend and just keep in touch. I, I just think it's awesome to see what the Lord's doing. Listen to what I just said. That because we are purposing in our hearts that the Lord's going to do more in our community and more outside the walls, He's actually reaching out and touching people that's out there and bringing them to Him. So what do we do? We, be, we act like, talk like, live like, love like brethren. Right? Come on, touch somebody beside you and call them brother or sister, whoever you're sitting beside. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So as the hearers, verse number 20, it says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, or that word means an intent, an intention to hurt somebody. In malice, be babies. But in understanding, be mature. One of the things I've enjoyed by being in Victory Life 19 years this month is I've come to a better place of understanding. I did not know what grace really meant or was like where I was at in my circles until I came to Victory Life. And I learned about the grace message. How about you? 
So our understanding is something that is maturing. It wants to, and it says right out of the Bible that it needs to be maturing in us. Verse 21 says, In the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. Wow, right out of the word. Verse 22 is another one of the therefores. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Now he's talking again about public tongues, message in tongues, gift of tongues, pub in the gathering. One more time. Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to... How many believe unbelievers are coming? There's going to be more unbelievers. It's a sign for them. It's the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who... So there's a distinction in the two. Now, think with me what I just read, just what I just said to you. It said, it didn't say teaching was, it says tongues were. Did you see it? Tongues are a sign to unbelievers. Now think with me, when a person is speaking in that public tongue, not English, will the unbeliever know what they're talking about? No, they won't. Then what, how in the world can it be a sign to them? It goes on to tell us how it becomes a sign. Verse 23, therefore, it says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, look at the phrase, will they not say some, will they not say that you are? That's what it says, out of your mind. So y'all getting the picture? If an unbeliever comes into the church and all we're doing is talking in an unknown language, they will come in and not get anything from it, and they will actually think, according to the Bible, that you're crazy. <laughs> oh, and I'm crazy, <laughs> right? That's what it said. They will think that you're out of your mind. Verse 24, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, talking in English, their known language, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is truly among you. So I want to read verses 23, 24, and 25 in three different versions to help us get that picture of what's going on. Verse 23 says in the Amplified, So then, if the whole church gathers together and all of you speak in unknown tongues, and outsiders or those who are not gifted in spiritual matters or unbelievers come in, will they not think that you're crazy? Right? Okay. So I'm glad he went on. Verse 24, New Living Translation says, But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say because it's English. They understand the truth. So I'll say it this way. How many of you glad that in our house, that in Victory Life, that what we endeavor to do is to speak the truth? Amen. We're speaking the word. We're speaking truth. And it says that by doing that, when they hear that, that it causes a, a conviction. The Holy Spirit uses the truth and convicts them of something and lets them know that they need to change their heart, change their life. Right? Okay. Verse 25 says, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed to them and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring 
God is truly here among you. So what is this all about? Why are we talking about a spirit-filled church? Why are we talking about what it looks like, what it sounds like? And the simple answer is what I just read to you. So that when people come in, they will recognize and will say, God is truly among you. That he is truly here. You know, it's one thing to know that in our mind, or maybe we've never been exposed to the presence of the Lord. But it's another when you come in and you sense and you know the presence of God. That you recognize that the Lord is here. So one of the ways that that the Word says that that happens then is by the gifts of the Spirit being in operation in the church. So I want to say that none of us are perfect at it, but we can sure learn how to to operate and get better at it, can't we? Hallelujah. So, in conclusion then, I didn't want to preach long, but I wanted to preach strong. Hallelujah. I want you to hear it then. In all of this summation, all these things where he's giving, he's giving us instruction, talking about what to do, amping up for my next message next Wednesday night, I'm going to be tackling the thing I said last Wednesday. I don't understand it in, in entirety, but I recognize that there is a word about let the women keep silence in the church. Next time. <laughs> I'm going to talk about what that means. I might have lost my courage, Pastor Jacob. <laughs> that is next time. But in this, I think it's just really cool in this second part, spirit and understanding than the hearers and helping us to get on the same page of what that is. First part in simplicity, there's a difference between personal private prayer language and a public gathering where there should be the gifts of the Spirit. There should be the gift of public tongues and there should be the gift of interpretation. There needs to be interpretation with that. Okay? And so we're going to learn, even in that, I believe, in these weeks to come, of how that we can even work on being sensitive to when is the right time to give that gift of the Spirit. Listen to me. If the music is, and we're in the middle of a fast song, and we're amped up, and the drums are going all stuff, chances are we're not going to hear it. Because what did I say? We're not going to hand you a microphone. Uh, Pastor Austin, will you get a gift in tongues? We're not going to do that. So we have to be sensitive enough, sound guys, praise team, to recognize that, that here could be that moment. Here could be that time where our hearts are ready to have a gift of the Spirit to be manifest in our house and to hear that language. We don't know what they're saying because we talk English. And yet they're talking to God, and it's also at the same time a message to touch a heart of a person that is uninformed or is an unbeliever to help them to recognize surely God is among us. Surely He's in this place. And then from that, to have a gift of interpretation to help us on what he's saying. Now, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's actually proper that during that gift of interpretation, that if we have that interpretation, if we still can't hear or if it's still too loud, that it brings that place like I talked about. We're waiting on the Holy Spirit. But I don't think it's wrong to have a gift of interpretation over a microphone. So just like we do prophecy, if you believe God's given you a prophetic word, many of you come to Pastor Austin or me or Pastor Jacob, leaders will come in and say, I think I have a word from the Lord, okay? 
And so we hand you a microphone to give that word. I think the same thing in an interpretation, a gift of interpretation, so we all can hear because the first part doesn't edify alone, but all that together does. See, I just see it in my heart. I just recognize when it's not just A1 or just A2, but I see it in my heart when it actually is a church that multiple and many. In my, when I talk next Wednesday, I'm going to talk about the order of the service, where it actually begins a, a order of what that needs to look like so there's not confusion, there's not chaos, but it tells you the way to do it. And I'll just go ahead and give a hint of that part. It says that it talks about people can speak two or three, is what it talks about. And then let the others, use it a word, judge. We need to make sure that that lines up with the Bible, lines up with the character of God. It's not something that's kooky. It's not a word that tells us that we've got to go out and join the circus or anything like that. Right? So it's something that I believe. In, in. So why am I teaching this series? Because I really believe with all my heart that as Victory Life Church, we're about to go to another place. I see a step up in another place we're going to be going to. Thank you. So I hear it that the, that the Lord is preparing us for that next level and that next place that we're going to. And to hear that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation in the church, manifesting in the church, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all the, all the gifts of the Spirit have been given to us. Why don't we just operate in them? Why don't we just learn to develop those and, and get in that where we begin to work in those things and see those things And with that, a declaration, a declaration. In the next two years, Victory Life is not going to be the same. We're going to be stronger. We're going to have more clear words. And people are going to actually begin to seek because they're hearing. I want to hear a word from God. I want to know that God is among us. I want to be able to, when I walk through these doors, to sense the presence of the Lord. And that comes from willing hearts like us saying, I will. Did you see it? He said, I will. Not I won't, or maybe, or eh, but I, I will. The Lord's going to use us greatly. How many believe that? Do you believe he's going to use us? Amen. Yeah.